Yeah. Correct. No midterm, unless you want one. So the reason why there, we're going to have a whopping final, I mean, it's going to knock you out flat. No, just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I believe in small assignments consistently because I want this like in your heart, like right on the edge, you know, rather than cramming for a, a test where amnesia will set in that same night, you know. All right. Lord, just be with us tonight. Thank you for our students. We just ask that your spirit would rest on us tonight and uh, bring, bring in a personal way a revelation of the value of the church, value of people, the work of the church. And uh, we just give you the praise in Christ's name. <clears throat> Amen. So we're going to talk tonight about volunteers, and we're going to take, it's kind of be step two of this team building class. But I just want to say a statement that uh, it's not my statement. It's, it's a quote from another person. God anoints men. He does not anoint plans. Oh, wow. Okay, all of a sudden that is there. Okay. So it looks like someone's, uh, it's up, up and running, but I don't have the iPad here. So uh, we'll have it momentarily. But God anoints men and women, of course, but not plans. Okay. It's a, it's a, so does that mean we should be planned? Absolutely. We should have a plan. Okay. I, I always say this, that a, that a train cannot run unless there's a track. Okay. But is our, are we trusting in the plan? No, we're trusting in God. We're trusting in a prepared heart. We're trusting in the God who may change the plan very possibly. Okay. Most likely he'll change it, okay? Uh, thank you, Jeremy, very much. So I just want us to remember that, like, um, we know that spontaneity, thank you, sir. We know that spontaneity is beautiful when you're, pl when you're prepared, right? So I don't know how many of you have ever gone up to speak a message and or teach a class or do an outreach or do something and you're not prepared, People know it. People really know it, okay? And uh, I don't know about you, uh, I like to be prepared. Typically a class like this that's two hours, it takes four to five times more preparation time than the actual class, okay? That, that is not uncommon. Um, so even though this is something we do every day, I, I pray and ask God that it will be fresh, uh, that, that you would catch it as, as a tool, and that God would minister it to you uh, in, in a personal way that you can duplicate it, okay? So God anoints people. He doesn't anoint plants, okay? All right. So I want us to kind of think about people building. So we, we kept talking about the, the team, right, more importantly than what we're doing, even though it is important, it's who we're doing it with, right? Now, last class, we talked about the gifts, how many remember those gifts? What are the three sets of gifts, the three categories of gifts? Communication, the story, the science. Good, excellent. Yes. Now that is worth your that is worth your time, if I could say it. There's communicative, which is key uh, to uh, leading people, not managing things. Remember we talked about that? 
What's the difference between management and leadership? What's the difference? When you manage something, what do you do to it? You manage things, correct, all right? You ever try to manage a person? Sounds right, but it's totally wrong. So management is you're controlling the beginning and the end of a matter. You're controlling it, so you're, there's a stewardship that's involved to make it most efficient. But leadership is what? What's leadership? Yeah, you're leading by example, yeah. Influence. Yes, you're building influence, channeling influence, yeah. Taking responsibility. Yeah, taking responsibility. Voluntarily, you can be voluntary. Yeah. But leadership, yeah, Kia? I said taking control. Taking control? Uh, depends on how you mean that. Because you can control the direction, I guess. We could say that. And it's Nikki, right? Yeah. Yes. Very good. Okay, good. So the leader is looking farther down the road than everybody else. They're leading. You want people under you, if we could say it like that, to be better than you, to to uh, be more successful than you, to uh, to really not only imitate what you do, but to. Um, to really prosper beyond you. A leader that holds other people down, micromanages them, uh, that is a very, um, it's not good. And it happens a lot, you know, because there's insecure leadership, right? And I, I just say this, before you join a team, before you work a project, make sure you can work with a leader. Because... <laughs> uh, People can see the conflict on the team, and it can actually cause people not to be not to want to be part of the uh, the mission. Okay, so I want to talk about a principle that we talked about last class. And again, if you did not get last class, please take time and look at it. It's called the Dyke Principle. Anybody remember what we said about that? What did we say about that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And what happens? Sorry, I'm not an artist. Okay. You're doing, this is going to be worth something someday. Um, so what happens is we are leading people according to their gifts. Now, in our ministry, that is not an emphasis maybe as much as it needs to be. But I strongly recommend that we understand in an objective way what the gifts are. And last class we did that. Uh, because what happens is we set people up for failure. And it happens a lot in team concept and in team building. We don't just throw people at needs. That's how we use people and we destroy people. It's happened. And I've been on the other end of it. I'm sure you have too. So needs do not, do not motivate the minister. But they can. They can. And it, is, it can be a hard taskmaster. But we are led by vision. 
people are led by vision. Okay, Habakkuk 2, 3 through 5, where we write plain the message and those that read it run with it, okay? So needs will always be with you, okay? Needs do not constitute the call. That's a, that's a phrase we've used in our ministry for many years. Needs do not necessarily mean that I'm called to meet someone's needs, okay? Now, what do I mean by that? So we could say these are breaches, and I'm attempting here to build what's called a dam, okay? All right, this is supposed to be water, okay? Little fish there, okay? Now, that's a lonely fish. Should we put a couple more? All right. So what happens is, let's say a volunteer comes, and by the way, a volunteer is uh, someone who is willing to uh, give of their time and energy uh, to help out and to be part of the solution, okay? They are, uh, they are motivated by a lot of reasons, okay? But it's someone that wants to serve in the church, and you meet them every day, right? How many have ever volunteered for something, right? You actually care, and you say, hey, let me just... I want to learn more. I want to be part of the work of the ministry. I want to cultivate, maybe you don't say this, but in so many words, you want to grow beyond your natural, your, your own natural ability. You want to work with somebody. You want to watch what people do. You want to uh, be very, uh, you want to be part of, of the ministry and, and exci- you're excited about what the church is all about. You believe in the mission. So therefore, we want to be part of the mission. Okay. Now, if I throw people at a need, okay, okay, and let's say they're not what? What's the number one thing a volunteer needs to have happen in their life? Yeah, training, right? They need to be prepared, right? Uh, we have this, we have this uh, sentence where we throw people in the deep end. I mean, that sounds nice, uh, but it's, 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 uh, it sets people up for failure, actually. So what we're doing is if I throw people at what we call a dike, a dike is that wooden piece that goes in the breach to hold back the water from penetrating on the other side. But what happens? What is this? What happens at, at, in a dam? What is going to work on the other side of that dike? What is it going to work? There's going to be pressure, right? There's going to be, wherever there's a breach, right, that vulnerable part, the, the pressure is going to push on that, that breach. And guess what? It's going to break. Eventually, it'll break. Okay? So... I don't want to train people because it's a warm body and a great attitude. I want to pray with them, learn their gifts in the sense of a conversation. What were some of the questions that we said last class that will help you understand some of their gifts? What were some of the questions? Would you, you ask a person what do they like to do? Okay. Um, not like, but I get it. What was the word we used? Passion. Thank you. What is your passion? That is a loaded question. You could also say, what makes you come alive? 
I've asked this question often, and it's it's a it's a provoking and difficult question because we don't think like that. We think of where's the need. <laughs> Just get all the warm bodies and throw them into it. Yeah? And what happens? Let's say we're successful at our task, but guess what? Who do we lose, potentially? The most important aspect of what we're doing. We lose people. We build the church on people's backs. Okay? And you might be sitting there going, what's wrong with that? Well... We understand theoretically that the church is based on Jesus Christ and he uses people, right? We said last class that the 80-20 principle is what? What do we say the 80-20 principle was? 80% of the work is done by 20%. And that is unbelievably accurate, isn't it? And actually this 20% might be 10%. So let's say you're ministering to somebody, you're discipling somebody, and all of a sudden there's just need, need, need. And it's like your conversation is all about what needs to be done. What happens to that? What happens to this group of people? What? They come down. They come down? Oh, yeah, they reduce, exactly. <laughs> They're like, hey, I got, enough, I got enough stress in my life. Why do I need to be stressed in the church, right? What else happens? They lose interest. They lose interest. Very good. Why? Because a volunteer, we're going to learn that they, they, choose, they, they are motivated to volunteer to not only address a need in the church, but they have a need to be needed, to belong to something, and to be part of something greater than themselves. So... This is this is the this is a very hard balance, and I I personally struggle with this because in our department, right, Pastor Ramir, we have hundreds of needs, and honestly, um, we pray, and like we have a ministry called Helping Hands. Let me give you an example. We have a ministry called Helping Hands, and Pastor Ramir, we brought him on specifically to help in this ministry. And what it is is help, and as our church ages. There's more needs to go to the grocery store, to take people to the doctors, to help clean their houses and, and just, just be there as maybe physically people are not able to do what they used to do. And people look to the church with a unrealistic expectation. I hate to say it. Unreal. I mean, we are to move heaven and earth and the moon and the stars. And we've got thousands of people waiting to meet your need. That's how people come to you, right? And I'm not being mockery here, but so we we have this uh, we have this principle. And Pastor Amir, we could open a moving department, I think, couldn't we? I think so. Yeah, yeah called Ramir and Ramir and Jason's moving. moving department, right? <laughs> it's hard to say no to people. Yeah. It's hard, but earlier we said we said this that if God doesn't build a team of people then maybe it's not the will of God to do it. Wow. So I'm, I'm being very practical tonight. I will open the Bible here. i got, I got a bunch of scripture. But we want to take care of our volunteers because maybe they're with you for a short season, but they'll learn something from you that will take them farther in their ministry that they will learn, hopefully, without making the same mistakes. 
So if they're trained, and that takes time, and usually it's on the job, I call it. Somebody says, oh, it's going to take a lot of time. I said, it's going to take a lifetime. It's going to take a lifetime. So maybe things will not get done. Maybe things will actually fall down and not work. And maybe that's a good thing. Because the church, what is the main purpose of the church? Even before that, and that's right, what's the main thing? Okay, good. To serve. Before that, it's that. It's to educate people in the Bible. And then we're able to evangelize, and then we're able to serve, right? If people are coming because, remember we said they're needs-oriented, we have to help them say, hey, your need's important. You're important. I may not be able to meet your need, but why don't you just come and learn what we're about, and let's see if your need changes. Maybe your need changes. Hopefully your needs will change. Because remember we said a couple classes ago, we have to have a relationship beyond the need. Now, people are not going to understand that. They're going to be like, I need you to visit me in the hospital, and that is something we do often. But we under-promise and over-deliver. Do you know this term? Yes. Under-promise. It, it means that we have to say no. I hate to say that like that, but, but we don't say no. But we, we redirect people because we don't want to lose people over and over and over and over to things that they're just vacillating in. They're just doing it because it needs to get done. Okay? Um, I mean, what's a good example? So we take the people to the doctor's appointment, and that is awesome. It's a, you get to sit with them, you get to talk with them, you get to, your patients are tested like Job as you sit in the waiting room for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> but you're in the moment with the people, and that's great. That's amazing, right? But the variety helps the volunteer to understand that I'm not going to get... See, everyone may want the pulpit, right? Everyone wants the limelight. Everyone wants... I want to be seen by everybody. I want people to hear what i got to say. Can I say this? 90% of ministry, and I mean it. I mean it's probably high. 90% is, is really working in the fields with people. And 10%. And it's a beautiful 10% preaching and teaching. Now, that you might look and say, that's, that's crazy. That's lopsided. It's, I, I would dare say it's higher, even though preaching is the most important thing we can be doing. We may never get here. People asked me recently, why aren't you preaching? I said, I, said, I, I do preaching in all kinds of ways. <laughs> Right? We're preaching in someone's home. We're loving them as we um, minister moving. And, and we're, we're here to be in, in the difficulties with them and to help them work through their faith. Right? So someone might say, how do I get more volunteers? Can I tell you something? That's the wrong question. How do I get more, more volunteers? 
Is that the right question or the wrong question? It's the wrong question because I just told you that. What's the right question, Craig? Okay. Good. That's a very good question. This challenged me when I was studying this. What's another question? How do I get more volunteers? How do I use the volunteers I already have? That's another question, and that's very important. But there's a question before that. Uh, Gary. Okay, now this is a good point, and I gotta I gotta say this because usually the people you think that are not right are exactly right. How many times have we seen that? Right? Oh, that guy will be perfect, or that girl would be perfect. They really, eh. God sends you like a like a you know like a third wheel kind of right person. Yeah. But right as in God, God's will, right? Kind of right. Sorry. Yeah, good. <laughs> good. Okay, good point. Nice save. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice save. So what's the right question? How do I get more volunteers? I got this amazing uh, potluck coming up, uh, fellowship dinner, all these new people. How am I going to get more volunteers? How am I going to get Who's going to serve? Who's going to sing? Who's going to do this and do that and... That reminds me, we had a, we, <laughs> I went to a, in Sweden, this was years ago, we had a talent contest, and I was, I was a teenager, I was like in my late teens, but, and, um, anyway, I don't know why I'm bringing this up, but in, in the, in the um, talent night, someone didn't vet all the, the, the talents, and I'll never forget, I'm sitting there with Pastor Love, and all of a sudden, this, we're overseas in the, in the country of Sweden, all of a sudden, this crazy music comes out. It was like a, it was like Arabic music, and you know, you know what happened? It was a belly dancer. <laughs> okay, I don't know why I said all that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta vet. You gotta have the right people to vet your your programs. Anyway, we we're all shocked there for like sixty seconds. Like, is this really happening? Are we in the church? Did we got time warped into something? <laughs> all the music. Okay. All right. I don't know why I said that. Okay. Anyway, um, what's the right question? I think they invite more people. Okay. If they didn't like love the, if they if they didn't know the, if they didn't love the ministry, they cannot be volunteer. Okay, you're doing great, but <laughs> but I'm not being clear. The question actually isn't how do I get more volunteers. The question is how do I get more disciples. That's the question. Sorry, I tricked you. How do I build more disciples? Okay. Now, Job 32, 23, they might be one and a thousand. You're not going to have a whole lot of, you're not going to have a whole lot of disciples, right? But my point is this, is production does not mean success. Doing things, activity, does not mean spirituality. And our church is very unique. We have an incredible amount of things that happen on a daily basis. But we also have an army of volunteers. But they're not just volunteers. 
their disciples. They're sold out for what they're doing, right? So as I build disciples, I don't need to push people. Like sometimes a volunteer, you have to kind of like motivate them. That's hard to do. But when you share the vision, they're motivated by love, and all of a sudden, they're dragging you. That's what you want. You want someone to pursue you. You want someone to call you. That's one thing I love about Pastor Ramir. This guy, this guy, you know, he's like the black stallion. I'm like holding on to him, and he's dragging me. It's good. He's motivated by the call and not the need. Ask yourself this question the next time you get into something. What is it? Am I being motivated by the need? Or am I really going deeper? Am I trained to actually listen to the person? Am I actually trained in my skill set? Right? Because the person in the wrong place, as Gary mentioned, guess what? They will be miserable. I mean, I, I've seen it in hospitality. I mean, people with a bad attitude in hospitality. It's like better that you don't show up here if you're in a bad attitude, right? Like you're trying to convince an introvert that, to be an extrovert. It's like not good. It's like, you know, enjoy yourself over there. You know, maybe take someone to coffee and talk with them one-on-one, right? Yes, Yvonne. Uh, yeah, I, I just have a question about the needs, and we don't have to feel the needs with volunteers, but... Uh, Sometimes we have to, and also my other question is: uh, sometimes it can reveal also a calling. Like sometimes we 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 just need someone, and the person is fulfilling these needs, and we're like, wow, we didn't expect it, expected it, but uh, he's thriving in what it's what he's doing. So how do you account for that? That's exactly what we're talking about. People that are in the right place will thrive. People that will, people that have joy, they don't count their hours, they don't, they don't, they don't look for recognition, they're just in, in the zone with God. That's exactly what we want. So we're putting people in a place where they're called. So when there are needs, when there are needs, then we can certainly say to the church, okay, we have a need, um, we have a housing need, we have a missionary coming home for three weeks. Anybody here that would like to open their home? We present the need, okay? Nothing wrong with that, okay? okay? And, and hopefully the people that show up, you know, they're, they're, not, they're not criminals or something, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, they're, they're, but we've worked with transportation and housing for our big conferences, and I can honestly say it's been a few people that are sold out saying, I love this. I don't want any money. I don't want anything. I just want to spend time with that missionary. So communicating the need is okay. It's okay. But it's not going to drive us. I'd rather not do it. And believe me, I love to do. I'd rather not do it if it's going to chew up my people, our people. Does that make sense? I know this is an off-the-wall thought, but it's very important because... As people grow in their faith, as people grow in their passion with God, as people grow in, in the understanding of why the ministry is what it is, they're going to they're gonna give you tons of time. Look at the book of Acts. They gave all of their stuff. They never even had to ask for an offering. We're begging people for offerings, and these guys are bringing boatloads. Why? Because of vision. You don't have to push people. 
right? Somebody made this illustration where it's like a cart with square wheels. And the round wheels are in the cart. Do you follow me? That's in, that, that's in this book, by the way. Hope you're enjoying that. It's a great little, it's a little stick of dynamite here. Do you know how many square wheels we have? We're like trying to convince people. It's like, no, I'm going to pray, communicate the need. And guess what happens? God may give you five people. Before we throw them into the, into the wall, spend time with them, talk to them, train them, understand where they are. And guess what? Those people will gather other people. And those other people will learn from those people. And those people will multiply. Let me show you this real quick. Turn with me to Isaiah 58, 10 and 11. And this is where multiplication happens. So there, oh, there's so much to say tonight. I'm not going to get to it, obviously. I can already tell. So uh, we're communicating how volunteers can step into ministry. I like to say this. We need you. Nothing wrong with saying that. Not in a manipulative way or a guilt way. Let's say someone says, no, I don't have time. Why does somebody say no? They don't like your vision. They don't like your what? Vision. Okay. They're not agree with me. They're not in the same block. Okay, possible. They're not comfortable. They're not comfortable. Okay. Let's go in that vein a little bit. They're not trained, not confident. Okay. Okay, that's a big one. That's a big one. They're afraid they're going to be stuck with it. Okay, that's another one. Yes. You're exactly what we've been praying for. The Sunday school teacher, 25 years later, you're still there. People say no because they don't have enough information to say yes. Yes, that's it. Okay, that's kind of a, that's kind of a, a, a well, that's a natural thought, but it's very true. So. We want to present the vision. Okay, I remember when Pastor Stevens early on wanted a hundred-person choir. And everyone showed up because Pastor was so passionate about it. I mean, the people that could sing and couldn't sing and that you wouldn't want to sing, actually. And he's like, I just believe that God wants us to glorify him and we can take this to different places during the holidays, and we can just sing to the glory of God. And he just talked about it. He was passionate about it. He was excited about it. And guess what? We had a 100-person choir at one point. And it took, a, it took close to a year to really build it, because it, like, it was like, I'll never forget that stage being totally filled with people. I mean, the main, I mean, my mother was in it. And she could barely walk. She's up there on a cane and a, and a, and a crutch. And, and a, but she sang to the glory of God. And what was that? She presented herself. This is what a volunteer does. They present themselves unto God first. And then the work of the ministry. Oh, it's, it's so good. Okay, 58, uh, Isaiah 58, 10 and 11. So volunteers, when someone comes up to you, that is so precious. You don't want to treat them like a business. Like, okay, let's get to work. And you know how it is working in the warehouse. You got the, you know, you know, you don't want to like treat them like a worker, right? You want to treat them 
in as a minister, right? Big difference. Because let's say, if it's just tasks, it's just work. Now, how many of us have been part of a team where it's all about getting the job done? Sounds good, but is it good? It isn't, okay? You got a guy cleaning the floors and he's grumbling under his breath. He can clean the floors, but his spirit is from the depths of hell, maybe, right? They're just miserable, right? So what we're saying is, hey, the need is important, but I don't want you just to be a worker. I want you to be a minister. This is where training happens, and this takes time, intention, and a lot of grace, right? So we're communicating, number one, where they can step into it. Now, Pastor Ramir helps with hospitality. We're constantly recruiting people for hospitality, right? And we're constantly losing people, right? It's like revolving door. It's a funny thing to me, right? I mean, boy, you've been part of it forever, right? I mean, there's different ones that have been part. So I've been working with hospitality since 06, right? And uh, we always have this We always have this statement. We're more than a friendly face, right? You know how they open the door. Hey, nice to have you in church today. How many have actually been seen that before? And it's important, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You're the face of greater grace. I mean, first impressions are really important, right? So people get busy, people get um, disorganized, life happens, trials happens, and people are constantly moving around, moving around. And that's okay. We don't want to shame people for volunteering. Like, to expect that someone's going to stay in a position for years is, is not maybe realistic. But if they're called, guess what? They may be there. I think of Leah Ellis, for instance. She's been there for... 13 years or something, right? Forever, right? You don't have to push them. They're motivated by love, okay? So don't be afraid when people say no, and even though you've communicated, prayed for them, shared the vision, they still say no, it's okay. It's all right. There's freedom, right? No guilt, no shame, no... uh, no. (laughs) What? Yeah, don't offend them, like... You were spiritual. No, you, you know, one of those things. Okay. Not that we'd say that, but it kind of happens like that. Yeah, Gary? I just had a question. Just the, the 80 20 principle. The 80 is the congregation that they're, they're not serving, and the 20 are, the, are those that are serving. So the 20% are, are who's serving the 80. Right. Yeah, so that's right. Is it God's will that, is that God's, I mean, is that his? No. No, I I think to mobilize the church, I mean, realistically, to think that everyone's going to be mobilized to do everything is not realistic. But this, unfortunately, is very, I think it's very low. I think it could be, it could be higher. And in our church, this number is maybe higher, right? Because we have more volunteers than, we have more staff volunteers than actually paid staff. Volunteers more than paid staff. Yeah. Yeah. So is it God's will? I think I would dare say that I think that number should be higher. But yeah, just just to, to consider that you know um, everyone has a gift and is called by God to use that their gift. Yeah. Right. Like absolutely. 
I was in a class where I had 70 students and I asked them how many people know one gift that you, how many people know your gifts? How many people know one gift? 10 hands went up. I said, how many people know two gifts? Five hands went up. I said, how many people know three of your gifts? One hand went up. So for some reason, there's this idea that that's a prideful uh, system of thinking, but actually God's given you, 1 Peter 4.10, these gifts to serve one another, right? And even more, Galatians 6.10, guess what? This is a killer verse. Galatians 6.10, we're to serve the body of Christ that's more important than even the world. Because if we're serving the body of Christ, then we mobilize everybody to serve the world. Do good to the household of faith first. So that's a provoking verse. All right, so number one, we're sharing with volunteers how to step in, not only what the need is, like we're talking about our addictions ministry, right? And we're sharing, yes, we're reaching the addicted. Yes, our homeless ministry, we're, we're revamping our homeless ministry, right? It's more than just giving hot dogs and beans on a Tuesday night, even though that's delicious, right? But we're helping the homeless to know God. We're helping them with blankets and clothes and medicine, but we want them to know God. And sometimes meeting the natural need is going to open up the spiritual capacity to receive. So I want to invite people to be part of the vision where they feel they can contribute and share and cultivate their gifts. And guess what? It's going to be awesome. It's no longer being a, being a worker bee in the church. Now it's, it's something that is, there's ministry. Okay. So... Um, let me give you a couple things. Okay, Isaiah 58. <clears throat> we should probably open the Bible, right? If you extend your soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then your light shall dawn in the darkness, and your darkness shall be as noonday. The Lord will continue to guide you and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen you. Strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fall. <clears throat> this is a secret of ministry. You know what the secret of ministry is? Serving. We just read it. Serving. Okay, let me show you another one. Matthew 20, 28. Uh, Matthew 20, 28. I mean, one, one Chinese pastor was asked as he visited America, he visited a big church, and the pastor said, hey, what do you think about my church? You know what the Chinese pastor said? He said, I'm amazed at how much you can do without the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge you in the right sense, less is more. It's your people. It's the same thing in business. You got good people, they'll treat you good. They, they're your most important part is your team. And we're struggling with this on a lot of levels because we just want to we just want to be superheroes. I don't know. The more I do this, the more I think you want to identify what you do well and you do it with your whole heart. And the people you're with is everything, right? Is everything. All right. Look at Matthew twenty twenty eight. Maybe this is no. So let's say I don't have volunteers. 
Well, let me ask you something. How are you communicating? Are you begging people to come to your outreach? Maybe. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Team building is all relational. It's relationship. If people love you and know you, they'll, sh- they'll shovel uh, whatever. They'll shovel hay in, in silence. They'll, they'll go anywhere with you because that's you. We've taken these trips to Atlanta and we're having a blast and we're just totally taking steps of faith. And we've got a team of four that's been faithfully. And it's like, I remember, remember this last trip, they're just like, hey, you know what? We don't care what we're doing. We're just enjoying God and each other. We're a team. That's what you want, right? And the benefit is God shows up. God wants it more than you do. Isn't that good? God wants it more than you do. All right? Lord, I want this soup kitchen. You know, I want this... Uh, kids ministry i want this worship band i I need this uh and this is interesting about fundraising too like as you're maybe raising money to get new instruments or new things or i remember in our ministry there was fundraising for our gym and i remember anybody was here when we had wheelbarrows that went down the aisle and people throwing their change anybody remember that (laughs) no oh so this is interesting this is year 2000 so Pastor Stevens, for like two years, we don't do much fundraising here, honestly, because God just supernaturally provides, but he wanted the body to be involved. And so he said, hey, I believe having a gym would reach the inner city. We could do sports camps. We could do all kinds of, of sports to reach the inner city. You know, there were givers and such, but Pastor was like, let's just... You know, it was kind of an unusual thing, like the wheelbarrow and people throwing their change in. I think that gym, how much was that gym? Anybody remember? It was like, it was a, it was a lot of money. I want to say it was 100000 or something like that. It was, it was some, anyway, it came, we had some big givers, but a lot of it came from the body just giving a little bit because they believed in the vision. And guess what? We have a gym today. Right? All right, I'm kind of saying the same thing over and over because I I just want to make it just clear as crystal. You know, we stress ourselves out like, where are the people? And God's like, maybe it's not my will. (laughs) My will is over here, right? So we present the need, we present where people can volunteer, and we're also taking care of the volunteers, right? We just had a cookout at my house. And um, for hospitality. And this was our big question. You know, how you doing? You know, is God meeting you in what you're doing? Because if he's not meeting you in what you're doing, then maybe you should pray about going to another place, right? So if God's meeting you there and you, the, the vision is clear, then um, there's a lot of joy, right? If there's no joy, if I'm not going to enjoy God and what I'm doing, I'm not going to do it, right? Amen. All right. All right. Matthew 20, 28. Look at this. Let's read a couple verses here. So Frederick, same thing. Our work in Frederick. Okay. We're there. We're there. We got a team of uh, six people and we're doing evangelism, having lots of joy, just being crazy, evangelizing, street preaching, 
And then God gives me a thought about Pastor Dennis. Pastor Dennis comes on. Pastor Dennis brings a, bo- a boatload of people. So we got like 10 or 12 people on the team. And we're just laughing and preaching and spending, I mean, Andrew, I mean, Boyette, I mean, you know. And now there's like 40 people coming out on a Sunday. What, what happened there, right? People that were uh, trained and had a heart to be there, it is something very obvious, okay? So the right man is always very important. All right, 2028, who wants to read that? This is a big one. Shout it out here. 2028. Go for it. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. What? Give his life for the what? For the ransom. Like, use me, take me, I, I am here. Now, if you're called and motivated by love, nothing is beneath you, right? All right, let's take a look at Luke 6.38. Luke 6.38. Who, who wants 6.38? Uh, Daniel, 6.38, go for it. I tell you, this is the, one of the hardest parts of ministry because we all have these fantastic ideas, right? Let's go reach the world. Amen. Let's pray and reach the world. But Jesus had how many men with him? Twelve. But really, how many did he have? Three. Okay. Given it will be given to you in good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Okay. If you sow sparingly, guess what? You'll reap it. Yeah, sparingly. Ministry is the toughest job you'll ever love. I mean, that's what they say with Peace Corps. But it's, it, is, it is like... You're either called or you'll die. <laughs> it's like being a pastor. You're either called or if you, you'll be dead. The needs, needs will kill you. But it's amazing serving, loving, praying, ministering, enjoying the people with you. You ever notice Pastor Schaller? Pastor Schaller has a great time. We're going up to the, uh, and this doesn't mean, I don't mean to be flippant here, but we were going up to a hospice ministry. Uh, we're in the elevator. He's telling jokes. He gets us laughing so hard, I'm crying. And we're up there in the hospice floor, and that's probably good because it looked like I was really hurting. <laughs> but he was breaking the atmosphere. He was ministering to me. He was filling me to overflow to another person. We just were, we were with a brother who's comatose. He got hit by a bus. Just sitting there, can only blink his eyes. It's like, I mean, that's like crazy bad. Okay. Pastor Schauer and I are there praying with him. Pastor Schauer singing to him. It's like, okay, yes, there's ministry this way, but it's also ministry this way. I left very edified. I, didn't, I couldn't change this man's situation. I wanted to. Right? And I love what Nikki just said. It's like in, in volunteering, you, wanna, you don't want to fail. You want to be a, a, a help. But you can't quantify the, the ministry of God. You can't quantify it, which means you can't regulate or measure your effect. 
You might say, oh, this was a total bomb. Or I didn't do anything to it. All I did was show up and handed a bowl of soup to somebody. Or all I did was a knock on a door. And nobody even answered the door. And so I left a visitation packet. Or I made a phone call, right? And I got someone's answering machine. Interesting story. I left a voicemail. This is a, this is a while back. I left a voicemail on someone's machine that didn't uh, that didn't answer, obviously. And uh, <clears throat> I hadn't seen them in probably three months. And uh, when they came back to the church, because they, they had some work scheduling, they said, I listen to your voicemail every day. I said, you did what? <laughs> I said, for whatever reason, they didn't call me back, but they listened to my voicemail every day and it encouraged them. I was like, praise God. You know? It's the same thing. I remember we were in, what city were we in? We were, oh, um, what city was that? Okay, we were in one city, and uh, this was a shut-in, right? A shut-in. And we, we had some of these nice cards that we just wrote, and just as we ministered to him, we uh, just encouraged him. I said, Here, here's a card and just something you can look at, just encourage your heart. And then we lost touch with him. And if you know me, I follow-up's everything. So I'm back there calling or visiting. or uh, I remember one guy, we climbed up his fire escape. We wanted to find him so badly. But this one guy, that was interesting. He opens his window and he's like, you're on my fire escape. Because the house had so many doors, I couldn't figure out what door was which. But this shut-in, this shut-in, he, um, we wound up connecting with him later. He says, I looked at your card and I read the verse on the card every day. He had no internet, no phone, really was kind of in a dis- desperate situation. He said, that was my Bible reading. You can't quantify. Don't disqualify yourselves. Let's say, oh, nothing's happening here. Well, if you're church planting, that's something different. You'll know within three to six months if the place is open. But in ministry, as you're breaking and building, People take time, don't they? We took time. How long did it take for us to respond? Andrew, how long did it take for you to respond? He's still responding. (laughs) It takes a long time. Okay, I'm sorry. I caught you off guard. Romans 15, look at this. I know we're going long here, but you can handle it, I pray. There's the volunteer. Man, I, I, I really want to spend time. I mean, there's so much to say here. Okay, 15, 1 and 2. Who wants to read that? Uh, Yvonne, go for it. Romans 15, 1 and 2. Isn't that so encouraging? The bottom line is like, oh, it's super, you're minister, you are not a worker. You're a, you're a minister. That's so good. I had a guy, this is another story. I'm not even making this up either. I had a guy, we did, we did um, ministry work in Frederick Douglass. Anybody know where Frederick Douglass was? Is that a college? Anybody here from Baltimore? <laughs> <laughs> right down on Fayette. Right down on the, uh, the, the Dunbar schools. So there was a place that we would just door knock and invite kids to, uh, to Bible school, uh, to uh, Noah's Ark School. And um, anyway, this kid, I remember, his, uh, he just would come out. He was from a broken home. He'd come out and just be, hang with us, right? So I graduated from college, and I move, moved overseas, and I lost track of this guy. He comes up to me a year ago. He goes, are you Jason Moore? And I go, 
Yes. Are you like the police or something? Because <laughs> usually someone's like, are you just... So I was like, yes. Anyway, this guy was the same kid. He was 10 years old at the time. This is years later. He's an adult with kids. He goes, I remember he used to come to my door. His name was Renard. There it is. His name's Renard. And this guy, I mean, wow. I mean, his mother, I remember his mother would beg us to, you know, pray for my kids that they wouldn't just end up in jail, you know. Frederick Douglass has now been imploded. Gives you any idea of the kind of place it was. Um, but yeah. Anyway, you, ju- you are more effective than you think. I'll just say it straight up. You, God is using you. God is using you. Amen. So this is the kind of thing we're inviting people to be a part of, right? All right. Amen? Amen. You doing all right? Do we need to take a break? No, we're good. Okay. A couple, couple more minutes. Kia gave us a couple more minutes. You all right? Keep sucking your coffee. Come on. Somebody have to stop it. I want disciples. Wait a minute. All right. Actually, we should break. Let's break. Let's break for 10 minutes because I'll keep going. Amen. Let's take a break. Amen. All right. Here we go. So, volunteers. So the temptation is to be need-driven, and I get it. You know, like someone calls up, I got an emergency, I got an emergency. There are those times. But again, you want to be motivated, you know, with a plan. Like, for instance, one of our weakest areas in the church is getting people to church, believe it or not. And it's like, how do people get to the church? And it's like, sometimes we have to actually call Uber drivers or set up Uber and um, we're working through just, so, you know, being solution-minded, right? But, you know, again, we're identifying who are the people we're reaching in the church, right? That's really important, right? We're not just doing things to do things, right? But we want people to get to the most important thing we do in our church, and that's services. So that's been a, that's been a challenge for us because people typically are busy, and uh, they don't have a lot of time. So with volunteers, we want to honor their time, right? So here's a good example. I was sharing this with Erhan. Uh, we have a dear lady that just came into our church maybe a year ago. Uh, actually, it's been longer than that, maybe a year and a half. And she worked with special needs in her church. Um, and now her church has closed down because of COVID. And uh, she said, I just... She came to me one day. She goes, I really have a heart for this. I have all this experience. Look at my track record. And she did. She was like, she was like, very, she had brochures. I mean, she, this lady was prepared. And I said, and her plan was like jaw-dropping, actually. And I said, I said, I love, I love what you've done. I love your heart. But I'm not going to have you start there. I'm going to have you start with getting to know the, 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 the special needs in our church. I want you to spend a year, call, visit, and actually sit with the people so that when you're up here, they're not wondering down here who's up there, you know? But there's more of this eyeball to eyeball, shoulder to shoulder, heart to heart. And this lady is incredible. incredible. Her name is Alicia Williams, and she's done an incredible job. And now... At 11 o'clock, we have a special needs program. We've tried to do this for eight years, and now 
she's got a team of trained, like-minded people with diversity, and it's awesome. You know, so where do we start? We don't start. Remember, God does not necessarily anoint the plan; He anoints the people. Yeah, the man. Right. All right. So let me show you a couple things here. Um, so First Peter four nine through eleven. That's a verse we've read. Uh, this talks about we do what we do to the glory of God. Okay, if we're looking for accolades or. Remember, somebody asked for a raise, and I gave them some high heel shoes, you know, just kind of a fun thing. <laughs> Where's my raise? There you go. Or I pumped up their chair a little bit. You know, we were having a little joke, but it's like we, we, we do what we do to the glory of God, right? Because we're never, I mean, even in the world, you're never going to be paid what you're worth. So even in the church, it's even, it's even less. So we're not motivated by money. Thank God for that. Amen. Okay. So Galatians 6.10, we gave you that verse. 1 Corinthians 9, 12, and 22. Again, we are discovering buried treasure in our church that everyone is a member in particular. Okay? So uh, let's turn to Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Who wants to read that? Colossians 3, 12 through 14. And as you're turning there, I want to give you a couple things. What are we doing for our volunteers? They show up. They're full of excitement. Like, uh, maybe they have no idea what they're doing. <laughs> they're just there with all kinds of energy, right? So, you know, you're praying with them. You're communicating vision. You're listening to them. What makes you come alive? What is it that, you know, what's your, you know, hear their experience, Right? Because Erhan was saying, you know, you could put the wrong people in the right place and it could be a disaster, right? So, all right. Like, for instance, visitation. Uh, that's one of my passions. But if you put somebody in there, you know, sometimes you have people that are not happy or just having a bad day or just they're controversial, right? We had something like that in Grow Deeper recently where somebody came back with uh, an opposing view. How we respond depends on our training, right? So if someone doesn't agree with you, are we going to, like, trash them? Of course not. That's what love has a lot of room. But a trained person has tact and the capacity to lead that person in a place uh, even in disagreement. Isn't that good? Because more importantly than what we're doing is who we're doing it with. So as we're building our teams, we're looking for not the superheroes. We're looking for the humble, right? The humble, the teachable, the willing. And I'll be straight up honest, the simple. And that word simple is a beautiful word. Not complicated. I was with a premarital counseling today, and I said, so what drew you to, the, to, your, to your future wife here? And he goes, she has no drama. <laughs> Maybe not now, but no. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Uh, you know what? That's beautiful. Drama's beautiful, too. Keeps it interesting. But 
that just uh, makes me laugh when I hear that. Okay, so number one, uh, handles. So we give our volunteers handles, okay? I want you to think about uh, this in the sense of we simplify truth for people to grab, okay? I was with Pastor Ronaldo recently, and we want to have objectives. The what, I'm going through shock here like water here. What are we doing? And then the ministry is about the why and the who, right? So objectives, we want a, sim- we want a simple truth that people can grab, okay? Sometimes we can be too pie in the sky, right? I want to reach the world, okay? Remember that song, We Are the World, okay? Hopefully you don't remember that song, okay? Um, it's not about the world, it's about my world, what God has called me to and you to, right? I might not be able to reach everyone in Baltimore, but I'm going to reach my neighbor. So I want, we want something that is something they can grab, something they can practice, something usable. Why do people leave your teams, my teams? Why? These are the reasons why. Okay? First of all, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know what's expected of them. They don't want to fail. But really, they're not grabbing onto anything. They don't feel useful. Number two, we want to give them a roadmap. Okay, roadmap. What is the big picture? What am I a part of? Okay, is what I'm doing really making a difference? Okay, what does a roadmap do? Anybody remember roadmaps before GPS? I almost got in so many accidents looking at those big roadmaps, like, whoa. <laughs> What's that, uh, Craig? Excuse me. Giving someone a destination. Yes, good. How to get there. I'll never forget when in the Ukraine, um, he eventually became the pastor there. We were putting together a, a barbecue, um, building a fire, and he didn't even need to be asked. He went and got the wood. He was already in the mission because he knew what was, what was going on, right? You want those kind of people that are humble, teachable, willing, and simple, and aware, and they're not, they're, they're rare, right? And I'm just encouraged today that the person that we don't think is the one that's going to be used may be exactly the person God uses. So, I mean, we're all examples of that in this room. Isn't that true? Amen. Yeah, for me, for sure. Okay. Laboratories. Okay, this is a fun one. Not lab rats. We don't want to use them as a lab rat, test things on them. No, we want to... Uh, give them a safe place for experimentation. Now, here's an example. Now, we had a small group, and there was the leader froze because something happened, and the leader froze. I wasn't there. I gave it over to him that night, and he froze, okay? And somebody took over the, 
the, uh, the, the, the room for a few minutes and then someone that was there kind of regathered the room. Okay. But I was talking with him recently and I could kind of tell he was waiting to get reprimanded. He was waiting to get corrected. He was waiting to get the slap down. And the Holy Spirit told me, be very careful. Be very careful with this man. And you know what happened? I told him this. I said, you know what? I'm glad it happened. I'm glad this situation. I'm sorry, I'm not being too um, clear here, but because I don't want to uncover him. But I'm glad the disruption happened. He's like, you were? You are? I was like, yeah. He goes, why? I said, because it, it keeps us. It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us like humans. We're learning. We're growing. We're failing. We're getting back up again. You know what? It set the guy free. I, I thought I was going to lose the guy because he felt so bad about himself. He's like, and he, he's not someone that's not, he's trained. He's done this for years and he just froze like we all sometimes do. But how we handle people in failure is really important. Really important. Right? So you want a safe environment for ex experimentation. You want a, uh, you know, you don't want to just lecture them. You want to be in the trenches with them getting dirty, and then when failure happens, and it will, I think more lessons are learned in failure than they are success. Right? Uh, I remember doing construction, uh, and I used to work with waterproofing basements, and training always trained us, never dig in a basement where there's sand, right? And I remember, this is years ago, uh, we were up north and doing a lot of jobs, and, and our last job was in a three-story house, and when we broke out the floor to put in a perimeter drain for waterproofing, it was total sand. And I was so tired and just so like, let's get her done. I didn't even see it. So we were digging around the perimeter of this house, and guess what happens to the house? My team, i got to tell you, my team is like, my team was telling me, stop. They were telling me, they were trained. I was like, are we just going to get this done? I'm tired. We're gonna... The house buckles. The lady comes down from the first floor and she goes, she goes, excuse me. She goes, I can't open my front door. I go, you can't open your front door. Is it locked? And then I look up. <laughs> and then I look up and I watched the exterior wall buckle right in front of me. And I don't know if you've ever seen that before. It is the scariest thing, because that's not good. A three-story house from 1920 or whatever, it buckles. Thank God she didn't see that. So <laughs> I think of this a lot because it humbled me. Humbled, because we had a very good track record. We were excellent at what we did, and but my brain shut off in this job. And um, anyway, I called my boss and I said, listen, we got a real problem here. The house just shifted. The house just literally moved <laughs> off the foundation. So thankfully it didn't fall over or didn't come in or crush in, which it should have. It should have. The engineer came. It was a, it was a, back then, this was 1992, so it was an $11,000 mistake. You had to jack up the house and re-pour the foundation. That's what happened. So today it probably would have been maybe quadruple that. Or maybe even more. So, so I'm mortified because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, all of a sudden you're like beating yourself because you know better and all of a sudden it's like the devil's there. And, 
So I walk into my boss's office and I'm, I'm expecting to be fired on the spot. I should have been fired on the spot. I should have. And you know how you sit in the chair and your boss is quiet and you're quiet. <laughs> I'm sweating bullets and I'm like, I'm done. And then I started to talk. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. You should fire me. And I just started to wallow, you know. I'm like 20 years old. I'm like wallowing, right? And I'll never forget my boss. He goes, hey, so you made a mistake. It was an expensive mistake, but you made a mistake. And it was like he had understanding. And I was in shock that he did not fire me. He actually put me back to work the next day. He said, he said this was bad. He, like, he didn't sugarcoat it. But how he handled me in failure actually really made a huge difference in my life. Because it humbled me to the core. And the whole company knew. We had, I don't know, we had like 15 different teams of men. So everybody knew that we made a huge mistake. So anyway, I'm just saying, when you're in a situation where things go sideways, don't beat them like a child. You know, just really, you know, if they're proud and unwilling to be teachable, that's different. But typically, they're very, they're mortified. So be careful with them, right? Because you could... You could hurt them for the rest of their ministry. They could be gone, right? All right. Anyway, that was a crazy story, wasn't it? That actually happened. I still see it in my mind's eye. I can still smell the earth. Okay. The next one is roots. Okay, Jesus gave his followers a firm foundation and a sense of heritage. So whatever you're doing, it's not just short term. Not just short term. It's long term. Okay? Like Yvonne, he comes with us to do his practicum. I'm looking, I have a vision for his life. He wants to, he's helping us in Frederick and he's doing a great job. Right? I'm getting to know him, right? So I want to have a vision for his for the long term, right? I want to share with him my roots so that he knows how to build something that will last. This is not a fly-by-night, right? It's not something that's going to be here today and gone tomorrow, right? And then wings, okay? Wings. Andrew knows this because he's a pilot, right? Jesus empowered men to go beyond their own idea of themselves, right? John 14, 12. Let's read John 14, 12. Jesus said, you'll do greater things than I. It's like, okay, the Son of God is saying that? Yes, in quantity, not quality, of course, but John 14, 12. We want to trust people, trust people. It's not going to be done your way, my way. Isn't that good? That's important. It's not going to be done exactly your way. And if you're looking for that, we're going to be like disappointed we're going to be like putting pressure on people. We're going to be like critical, right? But I got to say, as long as they get to the same destination and it's an edifying process, then hey, that's good, right? There's many ways to skin a cat, right? Whatever that means, whatever that means. John 14, 12, who's there? Uh, Gary, go ahead. 
Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Okay, good. Greater works. Okay, Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Who had that? Who had Colossians? Pastor Ramirez, you want that one? Are we asking for more volunteers? Yes. Of course we are. But what are we really asking for? <laughs> Pastor Ramirez, that was quick. That was good. What are we asking? We want disciples. Disciples are learners. We need more <laughs> Pastor Ramirez, he works in Inreach. I love this guy. We're crazy busy, but we're having a great time getting to know God, right? I had a dear lady come up to me. We were in my office today and just so many needs. And I'm like, I just told her, I said, I don't know how this is going to happen. But you know what? Let's pray. Let's believe God that every need is going to be met according to his will. Not my will, not your will, but his will. I can't tell you how many times okay, people that have want to do moves and it's like, there's no team. There's no Bible school students. Like everyone thinks that Bible school students are like have all this time. Yeah. Like oh, just just call up a couple Bible school students. Yeah. <laughs> In the last moment, God gives people. It's amazing. All right, Colossians chapter three. Is it three? Yeah. Three twelve. Yep, through fourteen. Okay. Uh, clothe yourselves therefore as God's own chosen ones, uh, beautified, holy, well beloved. Tender-hearted, pity and mercy, kind feeling, lowly opinion of yourselves. That's very good. Gentle ways. Uh, verse 13, be gentle and forbearing with one another. If one has a difference against another, readily pardoning each other, even as the Lord has forgiven you, so must you also forgive. Verse 14, and above all else, put on love and fold yourselves with the bond of perfect Perfectness, which binds everything together completely in ideal harmony. Beautiful. Amen. Another good verse is 1 Peter 5, 5. Clothe yourself with humility. That's a big one. Dealing with people. Right? All right. Uh, Hebrews 13, 1 through 3. Who wants to read that? Um, who hasn't read? Boyette, have you read yet? Okay, so volunteers, what are we doing? Handles mean what? Simplify truth. Good. So they can do what with it? Grab it. Grab it and use it. Use it. Okay. If I'm pie in the sky and I got a guy with deer in the head's light, headlights, he'll he'll be yes, 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 but he'll you you won't see him again, right? Make it like something they can grab a hold of. Roadmap. What's the roadmap? Big picture. What's the destination? How are we getting there, right? The lab. Safe place to fail. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, I'm not going to do something. I'm not going to tell someone to do something I wouldn't do for my do myself, right? That, that's that's like that's like bad leadership. If you know, I remember a guy. He had a pra he was working with practicums and. His practicum person had to wash his car. You know, it's like we're not talking like that. We're not talking like slavery here. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't a good example. Okay. 
Roots. What are we saying about roots? Long term. We want Christ formed in you. Hey, I love having you in Frederick, but maybe one day you'll have your own church, right? Wings. Empowerment. All right, we want people to do greater things. Okay, where are we? Uh, Hebrews 13, boy, it's. 13 verse. Uh, 1 through 3. Remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Okay. Good. I like that. Remember the mistreated, right? All right. Let's take a look here. Uh, so volunteers. Um. Be in the moment. Remember how we've been saying that? Be in the moment with people. Be in the moment with people. So here's uh, in your, actually, I could probably use, uh, I want to give you a couple points here. Any questions so far? How do you go those five presentations? The hand does well? Yeah, I, this is the way people stay on your team. I mean, again, you're not going to keep everybody. It's like a church, right? And maybe you have people for seasons, right? That our life is spent, will spend and be spent for you, right? All right, class six, here we go. All right. Okay, let's look at these seven points, okay? Having a strategy for volunteers in your church, number one. Have a strategy, okay? Prepare as though they're coming. Don't just wait for them to come and then prepare. Right? Have a strategy, right? Like in our worship team, um, we used to have one worship team that we used to use for every service, okay? We did that for years. Okay, now I think, what is it, Gary? We have five different bands, right? Five. Multiply. I must have a strategy to, to bring people into the pipeline so that they can grow. Right? We have nine churches in Maryland, and on top of that, we have five bands that work for the Baltimore Church. Right? And we just sent, we just sent a, a team down to the Carolinas and to Georgia and to different parts of the South to, to actually have a um, concert on the road. Like, that's beautiful, right? Like, let's have, like, let's not just look here, but let's look uh, bigger, right? So have a strategy. Number two, stop asking people to serve out of obligation or even guilt, right? Ha! I had a lady recently, as we were going through our Helping Hands ministry, asking about, um, you know, helping a, a senior citizen get to the grocery store. And she goes, she goes, I've helped out so much. She goes, why can't other people in your church help out? And I'm like, I don't have an answer to that. <laughs> and it's like, what do, you, what do you say? Am I going to guilt her and say, you know, 
Why can't you help us? Can you help us? Beg. Just say, just say, hey, you know what? God's got another provision. I don't have an answer why. I just know God will raise up the person that's supposed to be raised up, right? Right? We're not, we're not, uh, the flesh is going to come out in ministry, right? Especially in serving, right? So we err on the side of mercy. That's a big one. Be merciful, right? Okay, number three, don't use the term recruit, okay? I do all the time, so. But I'm always recruiting. Maybe we could say the power of invitation. Come and see. Taste and see. I mean, how many people have actually have, have a concept about something, and then they come, and it's like, oh, my gosh, this is worse than I thought or better than I thought, right? Just invite people, invite people. Power of invitation, very, very powerful. You know, they say that the, the, the statistics are very high. Um, I think it's like 44% of people that you talk to and invite them to church that they will come just because you ask them. That's a big... Yeah, Gary? I don't understand. Why, why shouldn't you use the term recruit? Yeah, because they're saying it, it, it's more of a secular term. But you can, but... But I got this from a, um, a, a pastor friend that thinks that that was more of a corporate approach. Like my brother in Philadelphia, when he was pastoring in Philadelphia, he would recruit people by promising Philly cheesesteaks, right? It worked. That was great. We ate so many Philly cheesesteaks. <laughs> terrible. Like I, there was a church up in Hartford County that would give out gas cards. Come to church, we'll give you a gas card, 25 bucks. Okay, I mean, I guess that's okay once in a while, right? My school teacher did uh, pay pay me five dollars to go to church. Nice. <laughs> oh, wow. and it worked. Really? Whoa. Okay. Maybe it might be a good flash in the pan one or two times, but long term, your church budget might tank. Right? <laughs> Paying people to come to church. <laughs> be creative, but yeah. Thinking long term. Okay. Target people based on their personal gifts and interests. We talked about that. Number five, understand that people serve for two primary reasons. Okay, these are the two. They seek to make a difference and they seek to connect to people. Yeah, that's number five right there. This is on the website as well if you can't see it. Sorry. They want to make a difference. We want to save the world. Okay. It's funny, like we can underestimate the little things, but the little things are exactly where you start, right? Yes. Don't despise the day of small things. Like I want to preach the message. Okay, why don't you stand over there and talk to that new person? Get, get to know them. But I want to be there. Start there. Because you can't do that unless you start that and do that here. Yes. So true. So true. I got an amen from the front row. That's a good thing. <laughs> Number six, use the knowledge to attract people to service. People follow vision, not just needs, right? I'm trying to think of something we've recently started, the homeless ministry. Okay, our homeless ministry, we lost a leader who went on to bigger and better things, and then he gave the ministry to his number two. And his number two is really not known, and he's a little... He's a little insecure because the person that was once leading it had a lot of charisma. He kept comparing himself to the other leader. And I said, you know what? You're God's man. 
God will give you the people that you're supposed to have. Don't, don't have this grandioso view. Just grab, grab the person that's with you. Turn around. Who's following you? The person that's following you, just lead them forward. And, and Carl's doing a great job. He's really stepping up. It's great. Uh, number seven, empower staff and leaders to shoulder tap, inviting people through relationship, not mass appeals. Okay, that's a big one. You know what a shoulder tap is? Anybody want to tap their shoulders? It's not like, it's not like, um, do you know what a broadcast email is? Yeah. You send them out to hundreds of people and, you know, people trash them typically. Uh, it's, it's this, it's, it's, it's the shoulder tap is like, it's me and Andrew, or it's Daniel. Daniel and I went to Texas together, right? That was an awesome trip. Yeah, a lot of fun. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. I wanted to get to know Daniel. He's got a heart of, of gold, right? But it was, it was, I didn't ask like 60 people to go on the trip. I think I asked like five people, right? And it was like, there was relationship. There was connection. So that's real. As you're building your team, it's all about relationship. All right, I want to cover a couple more things. Any questions so far? Any questions? Really? Means I'm doing too much talking. You still here? You all right? Okay, let's go through the let's go through a couple more. Create an environment where people are excited about volunteering. If you and I have oatmeal on our face and it's like stressed out, people are gonna be like. They're going to be like, that, 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 that's a guy I don't want to be near, right? There's, there's exchange, there's life, there's challenge, but there's also the life of God in you, right? There's that word recruit again. Okay, this is a big one. I guess we can use that word. Okay. Look for people, not just, not just like, um, okay, they, they say this, that a busy person... If you ask a busy person, they'll get it done, right? You ever seen that? But if you find somebody that's got way too much time or they're lazy, then you'll wind up begging them to, to, to do what you want them to do. You don't want to, like, chase people, nor do you want to push people, okay? So you're looking for people that are maybe, you know, you're shooting high. You're looking for that, the motivated person, right? You're looking for people that, uh, I have a joke about Pastor Barry, Cork, he runs our school here. And um, I have a joke because he, he invites department heads. He doesn't just invite volunteers. He goes for the department head and invites them on his team. So that's not a good practice always. So, okay. Anyway, I'll just, Pastor Barry's awesome. Sorry, Pastor Barry. Okay. Um, thirdly, uh, Okay, training. We're, we're kind of repeating ourselves. Very important. Training, training, training. How often do we train? Daily. Daily. We wish. How often? Usually at the beginning. Okay, beginning may be intensified, right? Could be once a week. At least once a month. Be with your teams. In, at the first onset, you're with them daily, weekly. You're, it's intensified. Because remember, they represent you, right? They represent the, the church, church's pastor. Training is important. I remember 
running a call center as a marketing manager and we used to train our callers every week because what would happen is they'd just begin, they would move off the script and they'd start say, saying whatever they felt like. Of course you'll have that and of course we'll give you this and of course you'll get that 80% discount or whatever. They started making things up. And so the, the salesman went out to the appointment and it's like, you were promised what? And what do you need? And it's like, we don't even... Like, it's so funny. We worked with basement finishing and the person wanted a basement door. It's like... <laughs> I need a living room bay window. Huh. In your basement? You know what I'm saying? So you want to train people so they know what you're... <laughs> I could tell you some crazy stories. The person just wanted the appointment, so they... I remember, honestly, a bay window. Do you know what a bay window is? Yeah. They wanted that, and it's like, we do basement finishing. We actually build rooms and basements. So you don't put bay windows in basements. Okay. All right, anyway, this person uh, no longer worked for the company after that. Anyway, all right. Yeah, oh, I, I could tell you stories. I, I, they're starting to come to me. Okay, so training, training, training. Okay. Four, improve volunteer retention to experience longevity within your ministry, okay? Again, burnout, burnout. How many people burn out? A lot. Why do people burn out? Pressure, sure. What else? Yes, they're doing the will of God without the Spirit of God. Absolutely. I really don't care what we can do. I'd rather care about the spirit in which we're doing it. Right? Anybody can... Like, we have an amazing tech ops team, right? Daniel works with the tech ops team, right? We have this joke. We want to switch the pastoral care one week to do the tech ops work, and the tech ops can do all the pastoral care work. How do you think that'll go? No. <laughs> How hard can it be? <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, again, very, very important, like longevity. Have a vision for that person's life. Now, Erhan brought up a great point. Let's say you have a person in the wrong place. What do you do? What do you do when you are working with somebody, and let's say they have novice traits, or they have, there's like maybe they're prone to anger, uh, or they're a brawler, right? <laughs> Fight in the church, right? Put him in security. There you go. <laughs> That's even not good either. Where's Johnny today? Oh, he's beating up some member of the church. National news. Greater Grace Church. No, what do you do? Let's say you're, you're spending time with people, you're investing, and you uncover just some traits that you're like, kind of red flag what do you do I think I would like lovingly redirect it or maybe reassuring if that is calling me yes. if that would be calling me it would be not like that <laughs> yeah. okay lovingly redirect good what would you say Pastor Amir um, I think I would ask you think this you are called by God to do this what you are doing of course I do Okay, and uh, you should be loving it, what you're doing. <laughs> if you're called by God, there will be joy, doing, regardless of the pressure around you. Good. You can handle it, fighting in front of you. <laughs> but I need to do this. Yeah. 
Good. All right. Okay. So one of the most scariest thing is when someone's identity is in what they do, right? Because we're first a body member, right? So very good. And you can honestly tell them if you have a relationship with them, just say, hey, there are some blind spots here that if I put you in the place you want to, you know, where you want to be, it would hurt you. And I don't want you to get hurt. I don't want, I don't want you to get hurt. They're like, what? What are you talking about? It's like there's empathy there. Like you see something. You're the leader. You see something they don't see. So be gentle and clear, right? Which, yeah. How do you, um, if, uh, I don't know, like, it's an important ministry, there's no one else, and you see the person is getting tired of it, so you, you can sense it, but at the same time, it would mean, like, finishing it, which means, like, which is kind of, in a sense, impossible. Like, for example, if we talk about outreach or, you know, like, big uh, ministries like that. How do you do Okay, two things come to mind. I know Pastor Stevens often did outreach alone until people followed him. He led by example. Uh, another thing I think of in Texas where there was a Sunday school program and it was only one person that would volunteer for all these kids. And she came to me, I was visiting my brother's church, and she said, she said, I'm exhausted. She goes, I didn't want to come to church because I got to, I mean, I love kids, but it's just over and over. And I said, let the pastor know that you'd like to stop doing Sunday school. And she's like, if I stop, where are the people going to go to, where are they going to go to Sunday school? And I said, that's exactly the, a good question. And you know what it did? She stopped and the thing fell down. It was like, all of a sudden the parents were like, where are my kids going to go? But it, it jump-started. Now the parents began to volunteer. Each parent volunteered once a month, twice a month, and it resurrected their kids' ministry. And today that lady is not killing herself, right? It's the same thing with security. We, had, we, had, um, we have a lot of people on security now. I think we have like 18 people. I do not remember having that many people. But there were people putting in like 60, 70 hours. And they were missing everything. They were missing the church services. And it's like, again, using people. You can't have it, right? So some things have to fall down to be rethought of, re-prayed about, and reworked, right? Does that help you, Yvonne? Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot of... Some, sometimes it, it can get a little, little uh, messy. All right. Um, and then lastly, improve as you continue, right? As you are working with people, you're going to find ways to do it smarter, right? And um, more personal. And maybe you do less. And I, I, I got to say, we're, we're coming into an age where I think things are going to be smaller. So, and that's okay, right? Just do what you do to the glory of God, and less is more, right? And people... Find somebody that is willing that, just find people that are like calling you or asking about you or people that are following you and just start there. Just say, nobody's following me, right? Well, it's like somebody saying, I don't have any friends. Are, are you friendly? Like, are you sticking around and actually getting to know people and people getting to know you? It's the same thing in ministry. Nobody's following you. Well, 
are you followable? Is there something that, are you an example of what you're doing? Are people wanting to learn from you? Yeah, so we're gonna talk more about this and it's already 10 o'clock, so amen. Lord, thank you for these thoughts today. Oh, Lord, you just simply looked at people and you said, come follow me. Lord, we just pray your Holy Spirit would uh, meet the many needs of the church, uh, but our greatest need is to sit at your feet and to learn you. So help us, Lord, connect people to your life, your ministry, and show us, God, how to unlock the potential in people's hearts as they serve you first and foremost. In Christ's name, amen. 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 God bless you.